listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, and this is a short bonus podcast from Hosea chapter 12. We have been exposed in the last couple of weeks as a church family to videos presenting the needs of Christian schools in Uganda and also in Liberia. And so in light of that, I thought it would be beneficial to consider the importance of a legacy, the legacy we leave uh, the next generation and a legacy, I believe, that must be a legacy that shows the importance of the church at prayer. I do hope that these devotional thoughts from Hosea 12 will be of benefit to your souls. I want to read some verses from the beginning of Hosea chapter 12. Just bring a short devotional and then we'll get down to, to prayer tonight. Hosea 12 and the verse number 1, Ephraim feedeth on wind and Followeth after the east wind, he daily increaseth lies and desolation, and they do make a covenant with the Assyrians, and oil is carried into Egypt. The Lord hath also a controversy with Judah, and will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his doings will he recompense him. He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel, and prevailed, he wept. And made supplication unto him, he found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Even the Lord of hosts, the Lord, is his memorial. Therefore turn now to thy God, keep mercy and judgment, and wait on thy God continually. Amen. May God bless these verses uh, to our hearts tonight. We've had the opportunity in Providence in recent weeks to show you a couple of videos now. One on the work in Uganda, which again centres very much around the school. Uh, and then today, tonight, this work in Liberia, once more with a, a school thrust to the burden. There is always, or has always been in reformed circles, an understanding that people need to be able to, to read and think and understand, to be able to then appreciate the Word of God. And so... Education is foundational to the bringing of the gospel to the souls of, of boys and girls. And so we do uh, gladly commend these works and trust that the Lord will use them in the children. But as you think of children and you think about the work of our denomination, we somebody ask the question, what is, what is our heritage? What legacy do we want to leave for a future generation? These thoughts of heritage and legacy are are very, very important in every generation. We we do not live for ourselves. There's always a concern for the generation that follows. Hosea 12 verse 4 highlights Jacob as a man who prevailed with God in prayer. He had powered over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. It's a description of Jacob's uh, success at Bethel, recorded for us in Genesis 32, as he wrestled with the angel, and as it says in this text, made supplication to him. That account of Jacob is then used by Hosea, or the Lord through Hosea, 
to rebuke the generation that Hosea was preaching to from the opening verses. In fact, from the whole book, we know that they were guilty of spiritual adultery. They were guilty of whoredom with false gods. And the Lord, and the Lord rebukes them. Verse 2, he has a controversy with them. He will punish Jacob according to his ways. And so as the Lord brings these words of judgment against the people of God through Hosea, he turns their attention to Jacob and to Jacob's heritage, to Jacob's legacy as a man of prayer. Jacob left left several legacies. Of course, he caught his brother by the heel in the womb. We, we know him as a deceiver. But yet when you come to Bethel and Verse number four, you have the fact that he was a man who knew God, who met God and wrestled with God in prayer. And that legacy is used by Hosea in verse number six. Therefore, turn thou to thy God, keep mercy and judgment and wait on thy God continually. And so it's a it's a using of the heritage to then stimulate this new generation that they would not be guilty of idolatry, but do that which is pleasing in the Lord's sight, that they would wait on their God continually and so it's a an interesting portion of scripture that speaks of the importance of the heritage of a man of prayer the legacy that a man of prayer will leave is this is uh, this is a covenantal heritage first of all it's the heritage of judah in covenant we know in Verse number two, there's a reference to Judah. In fact, they're called after the name of Jacob in verse number two. Well, punish Jacob according to his ways. It indicates again in the old covenant the the the, the covenantal nature of the people. They were they were brought out of the paganism of Abraham and through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were brought into covenant fellowship with the Lord, and so they're called here after Jacob's name. It's an indication of covenant. And what Hosea is demonstrating here is that their patriarch was a man of prayer. He himself was a man given to prayer. Therefore, verse number six, turn thou to thy God. Their heritage is being used to govern their actions. Their heritage should lead them not to idolatry, but to covenantal faithfulness. And this covenant is the covenant into which we are brought by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, we once were strangers of the covenants of promise, but we've been brought nigh by the blood of Christ. And so this covenantal heritage is ours. We refer to Abraham as our father. Uh, and that term of Abraham speaks of all the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those covenantal promises repeated to Abraham and to his sons. And as our patriarch Jacob was a man of prayer, he sets the pattern for the covenant people. That they're to follow their patriarch, they're to follow their covenant leader. And he was a man of prayer. Therefore, the people in Hosea's days, and I would say Ben Friends ourselves, we are to follow our covenantal head and we are to be those who engage in prayer. It is certainly a covenantal heritage. And that was worked out in terms of our own church heritage, secondly. So this heritage is covenantal, but it also worked out in practice in our own church. Uh, I said to you as we thought about the 70th anniversary of this denomination, it was very much a denomination that was birthed in prayer. Seasons of prayer, men calling upon the Lord, very mindful of their need. 
Uh, you talk to any of the the older men in the domination who were uh, around in those days, they, they will all mark the sense of God's presence in prayer. And they'll use terms like we wrestled with God in prayer. They, they knew what it was to, to lay hold upon God and persist in prayer. Now, I don't believe we can manufacture those times. These are things the Lord does by his spirit. He puts his spirit upon men and gives them the ability to pray. But at the same point, if we're not prepared to work hard and wrestle in prayer, then what right do we have to expect the presence of God? And so the covenantal markings of the people of God in all generations, people of prayer, was the mark of our denomination in its foundation and in its continuance. And so it is also not only a covenantal heritage and a church heritage, it is a continuing continuing heritage we have a responsibility to teach a new generation by our patterns and by our habits. This generation, we must set ourselves to prayer that the generation that follows will recount in 20, 30 years time and they will say, yes, my church was a church that was marked by fervent prayer. This continuing, we, we cannot rest upon a legacy 70 years ago. We've got to set a new legacy. We've got to set a new pattern of prayer in our churches that the young people would come into our prayer meetings and they would, they would know that we're serious about prayer, that we're not engaging in the formality, but we really mean what we're doing. We believe in a God in heaven and we are determined to call upon the Lord. So this pattern, this heritage, will then cause us to ask some questions regarding Jacob himself. What about Jacob and his prayer? Well, there's a few things we see here in these verses. It was a finding prayer. First of all, verse number four. He had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel. The angel referred to here in verse number four is, of course, the Lord himself. We know from Genesis 32, uh, this was a Christophany, an appearance of Christ a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, a Christophany. And Jacob, he met the Lord in Bethel. We know that he says in Genesis 32, in the verse number 30, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, the face of God, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. That's what you want in prayer. You want your seasons of prayer every times when you find the Lord, that you meet the Lord genuinely, seriously, that you're conscious that the Lord is there. The Lord's hearing your prayers. And we say that, but sometimes do we really experience that? Do we really know that? We want seasons of prayer where we, where we find the Lord, where we meet in close fellowship with Christ himself. And so this was Jacob's experience. He, he had prayer that was a finding prayer. He found him in Bethel, the house of God. And we, we want our prayer time to be Bethel experiences, the house of God, the Lord coming down amongst us, and the Lord's people meeting with the Lord in prayer. There's been just a few prayer meetings in my life, I mean that, and where I really felt we were taken up in the spirit of prayer. That not, not only did we pray, but we, we knew the Lord in the prayer times. And I long for more of those days, because they are sweet seasons. You go home and you know you've met with God in prayer. And we need more of those days when we find the Lord in prayer. And so such finding prayer was also fervent prayer, Fervency, of course, is in the sense he, he wrestled, he had power over the angel. And we often do talk about wrestling with God in prayer. How do we, we do that? Well, we, we will bring to the Lord holy arguments. We will plead his promises. We will engage with the Lord and 
Uh, not let the Lord go. Hold on to the Lord. Keep on persisting in prayer. This fervency is in the picture of the wrestling of Jacob. It's also, though, in a comment that is made here in verse number 4 of Hosea 12. Yea, he had part over the angel and prevailed. He wept. He wept. We have no record of Jacob weeping in Genesis 32. This is one of the occasions that we have a later amplification on the event in Genesis in the account here in the prophet of Hosea. There was a weeping involved in Jacob. Oh, the Lord touched his hip. He, his hip was put in a joint. He walked the limp after that. But this, I believe, is prior to even that experience. There was a, a weeping. There was a determination. Oh, that God would give us genuine tears in prayer. Not manufactured. Not a, not a dramatized season of weeping in prayer. We don't want anything put on or pretended. We want the Lord to touch our hearts that we are so burdened, so fervent in prayer that we will not let the Lord go and we're determined to do so and we'll, we'll weep with the Lord. We'll pray with tears getting before the Lord in prayer. It was a finding prayer, a fervent prayer. It was a prayer with focus. He would not let the Lord go until he blessed him. He had a very clear pattern. He wanted the Lord's blessing. That is the Lord's favor outpoured upon him. The sense of the Lord not cursing him, but blessing him. Blessing him with spiritual riches and abundance. We've got to keep a focus in our prayer meetings. That our burden, our desire is for God's blessing. God's blessing may not always take the term that we think. He may bless us with hardship and adversity for our good. He may, he may bless us with things that are challenging. But we go to God in prayer. Lord, I want your blessing. I want to be under your favor. I don't want your frown. I want to, I want to know your favor upon me. And what an important principle that is when it comes to the place of prayer, having that focus. And over all of this, this was a prayer of faith. Jacob had come to believe in the Lord. Jacob had such a, he had such a checkered history at this point. But now he's coming to know the Lord. He's walking in that close fellowship with the Lord. And he's praying in faith because he's, he's crying unto God for the blessing. And what does that imply? Hebrews chapter 11. You must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And that's faith. That's praying in faith. And that's what Jacob does here. He knows God. He believes that God is and he believes that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. What a, what a pattern this is in prayer. What a pattern of our covenantal patriarchal head that Jacob would show us this in his meeting with God in Bethel. And that covenantal heritage that would then, yes, it was the mark of our denomination in its founding. And it must be the mark of this generation that we would continue to leave a godly heritage to children, whether they be in Liberia or Uganda or in our own churches, that they understand that what really matters when it comes to church life is that people lay hold upon God, that they depend upon God. They're not self-sufficient. They don't rely upon their own resources, their own giftedness, but rather they lay hold upon the Lord. These are simple thoughts, and yet how often we forget them, how many times must we be reminded of these things, that we really lay hold upon God and be fervent in the place of prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. 
If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.